Welcome to Clover Club, everyone. I'm so excited today because guess who's back? It's me. <laughs> you didn't let them guess. They didn't even have time. Well, they could pause it or something. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> it's me. It's Kelly. Hi. Everyone, Kelly is back. She has been married for a month, but don't worry, she's still <laughs> posting about it. <laughs> okay, I got my wedding photos in yesterday. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will tell you, as annoying as it is, your <laughs> pictures are so good. Uh, I know, right? Like, <laughs> legit. They're, looks like they came out of a magazine. I um, so, We hired this that. woman who only shoots film. I love that. Which, but it's also like a really risky thing to do for your wedding. <laughs> like that is like a really. Oh, she was your only photographer. Yeah. It was Whoa. one camera the whole time with film that like could easily be flashed or damaged or yeah. like any of this or like the processing. Or just bad. Could not. Yeah. <laughs> so many things could have gone wrong with it, but it ended up being so perfect. I love that. Because... What's up with you? Anything as cool as that? <laughs> God, I don't know how to compete with that. I'm just like drowning in enthusiasm for our guest today. <gasps> yeah. So I would love to introduce Jenny Lynn Rudder, my favorite landscape architect and urban designer. And if that sounds familiar, it's because I referenced in episode one that I know a landscape architect who illuminated me to this world of non-boring things. And so we've brought her here today to get spooky and <laughs> intrigued and informed about all things landscape architecture and urban design. So Jenny Lynn, hi, and welcome to Clover Club. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, okay, Jenny Lynn, a lot of people hear landscape architecture and they think landscaping. So I want to immediately debunk or untangle those two professions so that people know what you actually do. Yeah, I kind of don't know what you do at all. Yeah, it's not landscaping. <laughs> I can tell you that much. I'm interested. So <laughs> landscaping, unfortunately, not a thing that I'm great at, but landscape architecture, immodestly, is. Mm. So. Sure, landscape, uh, break it into two words, like land and scape, the shaping of the land. And that's what landscape architects do. We are licensed nationally. There's a very specific professional designation. There's liability associated with it. So there, there's like a, a literal <laughs> definition of landscape architecture, and then there's how I experience it. So I see it as pretty much anything between buildings, even siting buildings, is something that we would have sway over. So if you look outside, mm. you see a lot of plants, but you also see like rolling hills and streets and sidewalks and, you know, water running off the edge of the streets, which I'll talk a lot about because I <laughs> love storm water. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> Landscape architects are not necessarily the only people who touch those things, but that's a, that's a thing that we can design. Okay. So it's kind of like an all-encompassing broad stroke of what the landscape is. So even roads? With caveats, there are transportation engineers who do the specifics okay. of the road design, but often we're called on to either lay out the sort of overall feel of roads or look at ways to make them work better. And then one big thing that landscape architects do is we work really closely with other professions. Um, I see. And because we're, I would say, really well informed about all these different professional subsets, we are really good at getting people to talk to one another. And so mm. instead of having like an engineered road that That's looks what like we do, it's, Kelly. It, it is. Landscape Architects podcast. <laughs> so is the, uh, an example of this, I would think, is recently there was a sinkhole in our neck of the woods and they had just built a road over a creek, I think is the reason that happened. And so it sounds like that would be an opportunity for the road people and the you people to have had a conversation that maybe didn't happen. Is that... It was a pretty old road at a pretty old creek, <laughs> so not not shocked. But yes, in Atlanta, there are all of these creeks that um, Atlanta's on a relative high point. Yeah. And we're also on the subcontinental divide. So actually, we're physically recording this place very near the subcontinental divide, which means oh. that like rain falls over there, it goes to the Gulf, and if it falls over there, it goes to the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, wow. So Atlanta's built over a bunch of <laughs> creeks that used to drain the city before it was a city. And what was it before it was a city? It was woods. It was forest. It was native lands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and I'm not going to go too deep into the history of Atlanta, but suffice to say, it is now Atlanta. Yes. And at one point, the things that were creeks and streams were used to drain waste away from the city. And so historically, the higher points of the city were more desirable mm -hmm. because they were sort of above that drainage pattern and they didn't flood so much with combined sewage. Okay. And one of those creeks runs under Ponce de Leon mm -hmm. at ah. the place that we're talking about where there is a sinkhole. <laughs> and so... In like the 1920s, Atlanta built their sewer system. Okay. And they built over this creek. And there are a bunch of places where we've built over creeks, and that's one of them. So it flows through our combined sewer. Okay. And when it rains, sometimes, I don't actually know about that one specifically, but sometimes you get backups that are not just rainwater. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is pretty gross. Yeah. Is that an Atlanta-specific issue, or is that something common in lots of urban areas? Common in lots of urban areas. Okay. I would say newer cities don't have so much of that. They've been able to build their sanitary sewer and storm sewer separately. Mm, okay. But older cities definitely have that. And Atlanta's been working, especially since the late 90s, to separate out our sewer systems. But it's a lot of work, and it's very expensive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have a question. Is this more of a, like, governmental-type job? Or is, it, or is it more private firm type things or both? I assume both. It's a really good question. I'm curious question. about the difference. So it is both. The weird thing about landscape architecture, one of several weird things, <laughs> is that you can do it in all different ways. So there are people who are landscapers who are landscape architects. I'm just not one of them. Got mm -hmm. it. There are also landscape architects who primarily practice in the public realm, things like parks and open spaces. There are people who primarily practice the private realm and just do high-end residential, help people with their really nice houses and yeah. really make their swimming pools look spectacular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then there are people who do other private landscape architecture that might be a skyscraper with a pool on the roof or mm. you know, what, whatever it could be. But there are all different client types. So in my current role, I have like 50-50 working with public and institutional groups and private. Okay, okay, but got it's all it. like large commercial, private, and no yeah. single residential. Okay, interesting. So there, there's just all forms of it, realistically. There are. It's a weird profession. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sounds cool though. It's so cool. Yeah. One thing, Jenny Lynn, that you explained to me once was, and you already touched on this, but the way that that runoff goes into lower income areas, and I hadn't necessarily parsed out the socio economic integration into landscape architecture. And I'm looking mm. very interested in that. It is a really interesting topic because so much of equity is played out in the land and where people live. And sometimes it's where people choose to live and sometimes there's not so much of a choice mm -hmm. and where we choose to put our waste, whether it's physical, you know, there are going to be places that are negatively impacted by urban life. And we tend to not do a very thoughtful job of placing those things, or they're thoughtful in some ways, but maybe not fully considered. Yes. So talking about something like sewage overflow, which is a fun topic. <laughs> <laughs> so I recently got my, received my master in urban design from Georgia Tech. Woo woo. Wow. Thanks. A boss. Very <laughs> impressive. Working. While working. Wow. Yeah. That's even more impressive. Yeah. But Oof. the reason I dropped that is because I <laughs> got the opportunity to study some things in more depth than I would have maybe gotten to do in just like straight professional practice where you have to think about like your billing rate and yeah. just, right. you know, making sure that you're profitable. Yes. So <laughs> I got to study some areas in West Atlanta where along Proctor Creek, there, there's just been this huge legacy of landfills and sewage overflow and all kinds of things happening because it was once outside the city limits of Atlanta. Now it's inside the city limits and Atlanta has for decades sort of used that for disposal, <laughs> which is terrible. And there are yeah. these like really phenomenal neighborhoods there who have been dealing with this for generations. And so looking at how policy and this like really high level wonky stuff impacts people's day-to-day -day lives has been really interesting to me and I don't think I would have gotten to study that except for this urban design thing yeah wow very interesting I heard you all call someone out for being boring a couple weeks ago and I was like damn it I'm gonna be boring no he was that was so who boring. did we call <laughs> Brian oh after, my like, god well, sometimes banks do business in a state that's not the state you think they do oh my god in. yeah I do Next. remember that sorry Brian you sorry, were like Brian. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk so about So what about trouble? Yeah. <laughs> Pivot. <laughs> and that's 
what we do. Okay. Recently, Jenny Lynn informed me about some cemeteries and grave sites and things in our immediate vicinity that I didn't know about. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was going to try to do like a witch laugh, but I cannot do that. Try. (laughs) That was was really good. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) You sound exactly like the Wicked Witch of the West. So, yes, cemeteries. They're everywhere. Yes. We're near a big one. Yes. We're we're, we're very near a big one. We're across from Oakland Cemetery right now. Can we say where we are? Is that like Stalker Central? No, no, no. We definitely can. Okay. Yeah. Also, it's like a wide, it's a huge cemetery. So, really, we we can be anywhere. There's like a three block radius we can be. Yeah. (laughs) And near Oakland Cemetery. (laughs) Triangulate that. Exactly. Catch me if you can. But, yes. So, (laughs) cemeteries. Yes. And, Bodies are all over the place. Body, 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 Eek, eek, eek. And so prior to Western settlement of the U.S., there were native grounds that we like regularly desecrate. So that's a thing that we will also hold in the back of our minds as we talk about this. But the yes, ones that I know important. the most about are like early settlers who. What time period are we talking when you say early settlers? I would say mid-1800s in Atlanta. Okay. So there were, you know, homesteads of people who first moved to what they considered the woods and got these giant parcels of the land from the government dividing up native territories. And they lived on this land. And then if you died, you likely were interred near where you lived. And over time, those Mm. old homesteads became like, downtown Atlanta Mm -hmm. and so there are rumors of people who are buried in really prominent places downtown and there's Mm. a potential grave site (laughs) that we've located in Virginia Highland that there's been a bunch of conversation about recently because it's behind someone's private residence and they may or may not be respecting that grave site (gasps) and it got us talking about like all these different places like there are cemeteries that aren't marked because Prior to, oh, I don't even know when this was. At some point, it became common to have perpetual maintenance agreements on cemeteries. So if you are buried or interred, then like they're going to keep mowing the lawn. Your stone or marker is going to be maintained. I've heard of that. Prior, there were not perpetual maintenance agreements. And so you own this tiny little piece of property that you are buried in. Yeah. And then maybe your descendants don't know about it. Mm -hmm. And so there are all these little super contested bits of land that may or may not be documented, and then there are people who are buried in them who may or may not be known about. Wow. So that's all over the place. Like, this is pretty regular that... Like, nationwide? Yes, but especially in older cities. Okay. Oh, I see. That wow. makes sense. So up and on the East Coast, there's a lot of disrespected graves. One area that we were talking about was um, in West Atlanta, because again, I'm sure this is all over, but that's the area that I was studying in school recently. Mm-hmm. There are a number of cemeteries out there, and it's because the streetcar, when it first existed in the early 1900s, um, went out to that area, and people didn't really have private cars. And so if you needed to move like a body, body, and body, 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 <laughs> body, and maybe some mourners, the most efficient way to do that was on streetcar. Mm-hmm. There like toward sort of the end of the line, there are a number of cemeteries and many of them didn't have the perpetual maintenance agreements. So I walked around Hollywood Cemetery, which is still intact, mm-hmm. but a lot of the areas around it, you can see in old maps of Atlanta were marked as cemetery and are now very much not marked as cemetery. Mm. And I did not find any evidence that remains were moved. So, And are these residences, commercial businesses? What's on top of these former cemeteries? There were residences. Okay. So people totally Mm. unknowing could just buy a house that is on top of a former graveyard. Yes. And and mm. (laughs) (laughs) I just, wow, that's insane. But yeah, I think a lot of times it's just that people don't know what's on their property. Mm. And then sometimes there are like unscrupulous developers or contractors. Yeah. So it's hard to know which... I can take a guess. Is there a way to like tell without like digging up the yard? Like, is there a so, yes, a device? Actually, <laughs> okay, there are cool. people who you can hire who can locate human remains without 
digging. So, for example, there's this Atlanta site that used to be a brickworks near the confluence of the Chattahoochee and Peachtree Creek. Mm-hmm. So also West Atlanta, but not the part I was previously talking about. Okay. And there were a lot of really terrible labor practices that happened then. This was pretty mm. soon after the Civil War, and mm. you could be forced onto like a chain gang, mm-hmm. or you could be as a prisoner loaned out to do hard labor, and people would make bricks. And loaned? You could, like, yeah, it's terrifying. Oh my God. That's like a crazy word to hear in conjunction with like a human being. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure I heard that right. Yep. You are hearing that correctly. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) So this site was owned by a railroad and then they were going to sell it to an industrial developer and city of Atlanta ultimately purchased it. But there's this whole concern about people being perhaps interred on that site who weren't documented because Mm. it wouldn't have necessarily been documented. Mm -hmm. And so there are groups who can go out and help identify where people might be if they are there, which I don't know for sure that they are, but definitely stories are told that they are. That's so interesting. Yeah. And scary. Are there supernatural things that happen at these sites that also come up when you're researching them? Interesting question. (laughs) (laughs) So the places where I've been where I know that there are, you know, people interred are... Not the places where I have sensed ghostly things. And although I do not necessarily believe in ghosts, I 100% have had like experiences that I don't know how else to explain. Mm. One of them was on a site visit in Florida like 15 years ago. It was this old cattle ranch, and the whole property was being looked at for redevelopment as this new urbanist mixed-use community, and I was helping do the the land plan for that. This is another thing that landscape architects can do. Mm And we were touring the property, and as we approached this one giant ancient tree along the Mm. water's edge, the sky darkened, (gasps) and then it started pouring down rain. And I just, I mean, it's Florida, sometimes it rains, but like I had this just horrific, sickly feeling. Oh my God. And then like as the rain cleared up after we went away from it, but, like, I, w- I refused to impact that tree with the plan or, like, anything oh, near it. I was yeah. not going near that damn tree. Yeah. Tree stays. Um, the tree stays. <laughs> Got it. And, it, I mean, it, it appears wow. that it probably was a place of, like, Native American significance. And wow. I don't know the full history of it, but, like, we're not messing with that tree. Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah. my – I don't – that's that's the experience that I've had at work. Mm-hmm. Wow. Have you ever had a ghost experience, Erica? Um uh, – I don't know if I would say a ghost experience, but I would consider myself like a highly sensitive person just to energy. Mm. And I've absolutely had very sensitive moments, but I've never seen a ghost. I don't know that I believe in ghosts in the way that a movie would portray it, but I think that energy is neither created nor destroyed. And some people are yeah. more sensitive to picking up on it than others. And so I have. <gasps> Do you want to hear it? I, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. It's not, I, I never saw her. Okay, but boring. I know. I but also I made it clear that I really did not want to see her. Okay. So when I first met Spencer, I moved in with him in Atlanta in Grant Park, and we lived in this very old house. Mm-hmm. It's from the 1930s, and we lived in the basement Ooh. of this house. And one of the first nights I was there, we were hearing footsteps go up and down the. Oh my God! I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I do have a ghost story, but. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Boom. I'm, I was so, okay. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. Um, we'll circle back. Okay. So one of the first nights I'm staying there, we hear footsteps going up and down the stairs, and I immediately hear it, and I'm like, "Uh, hello? Like, <laughs> hello. who is that? Like, we had roommates, but I thought they were gone at the time. Okay. And they were gone at the time, and Spencer's like, "Yeah, that's just our our ghost," and I was like, "Huh? What are you talking about? Just like, like I." Yeah, and I am very, like, I'm also a very intuitive person. Like, Mm I, or what did you, sensitive person. Like, I can, I'm always feeling energies. I know if a person is, like, a bad person. Immediately. Yeah, like, I'm, it's, like, that kind of vibe for me. Yeah, same. And as soon as he said there was a ghost, I immediately was, like, oh, my God, her name's Julia. (gasps) And I didn't know why I said that, really, except for, like, I had this, like, feeling that Mm -hmm. her name was Julia, and it Mm -hmm. pops into my head, and it felt so right. And then... Julia and I low-key became buds. She felt very nice. It did not feel 
any sort of bad energy. And I looked it up too because I didn't want to fuck with her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, how do I like be a friend yeah. to a ghost that lives in my house? Because that is terrifying. And I don't want to be scared. Yeah. And basically the whole thing is like setting up boundaries. Mm-hmm. And one of my boundaries was, look, we can be pals, but I literally never want to see you. That would freak me out more than anything. Yeah. Please don't do that. So a couple months later my roommate keeps falling down the stairs Mm. and I'm like, Julia, what the fuck girl? Like, what are you doing? And he felt someone push him, but turns out he's a terrible person. And I won't, I won't go into what he did because it's just too much to talk about. But we found out like six months later, he literally got like, we kicked him out of the house. Like it was that bad of a person. And I was like, holy shit, Julia, my girl. Like this whole time, I thought you were really fucked up for doing that. Yeah. And we had ghost hunters come one time. Oh, wait, And they made us turn out all the lights in the house. They made us unplug every electrical thing. And then they did their their little ghost hunt thing. Yeah. I put out snacks for them. It was very weird. And Wait, for the ghosts or the ghost hunters? The the hunters. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think Julia could eat anything. But they like told us so much about ghosts and they had this little LED light thing. Mm -hmm. And basically they sat it down on a table and Mm -hmm. didn't touch it Mm -hmm. and it would blink on and off. And like it could have been absolutely bullshit and it did low-key feel like that a couple (laughs) times, but... If it wasn't bullshit, then that was really cool. But if it was, then like whatever. But we would ask her questions. We're like, blink twice if. Oh. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, blink twice if I'm your favorite in the house. And just like, boop, boop. And I'm I like, yeah, bitch. You communicate <laughs> with a ghost and you're like, do you like me? Yeah. <laughs> and then another time a friend came over and tried to sage her out. Ooh. Oh. And because he was like, he's a very spiritual guy. And he was under the belief that a ghost wants to be. Crossover. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, if that's what she wants, like I'm down. He asked our permission, whatever. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't want her to be like, I care about Julia. Yeah. And literally this bitch. So we (laughs) closed the door to our room because I didn't want to participate. So I go to my room, close the door. Spencer and I are laying in bed while they're like saging the entire house. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden his computer screen (gasps) lights up and starts blinking. Oh my gosh. And I was like, Oh my God, she's not being sage. She's in here. <laughs> like, she's, she's like, let me know they're gone. in here. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> then we then we moved and I was really sad to say bye to Julia. And I hope she's doing well. I hope they treat her well at that house. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Was, do you have a ghost story, Jenny Lynn? That I you care, care to share? I have several, but I've also largely had positive experiences with See, yeah. likely ghosts. Yeah, it's really cool. The one, the tree one that you said is well. Creepy. That was not a that was not a positive experience, but also yeah. they were like definitely gonna fuck with the, you know, like the, the no, I understand I, it. I know. How about you, Erica? I actually do have a ghost story. Oh my god! Thank you for reminding me. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I forgot this. I'm like, no, not really. I'm like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the space that we're recording in right now, that is the space for Hawkins and Clover. Um, oh my God, is it going to be about a ghost here? Yes. <laughs> have I not told you this? No. <laughs> Are they Perfect. nice? You'll have to see. Oh my God. Okay, so this building used to be some sort of industrial manufacturing site mm. that has been parceled out into workspaces. And I am in one of them. And this was years ago when we were just a salon. It was me and Mavery from episode one. (laughs) We would regularly feel something. It wasn't intimidating. It wasn't scary. Oh, okay. But it was, there was always just kind of this energy in the space. Very frequently when we were mixing hair color, we would have our back turned towards the stairs. And if you, if you haven't been in here, the space is broken up into like, there's a front area and a back area. And it looks like a loft, like very high ceilings. And then we also have an upstairs and there's this landing in the stairs that kind of sits right in between the front and the back. Uh And when we were 
were mixing hair color, it felt like somebody was standing on the landing watching us. And it was very matter of fact. It, again, it wasn't scary, but it was very like we'd turn around so many times, Mavery and I, <laughs> you know, we would think that the other of us had walked into the room and turn around to say something, but then like they're not there type of hmm. thing. And so again, it was never scary. It was sort of just like, oh, that's kind of weird. But again, we're right across from a very old, very large cemetery in a very historic neighborhood Mm. in Atlanta. So, you know, there's that. So I was doing my first client of the day. It was just me, her, and my assistant in the building. And we heard a door close upstairs. And uh, I was like, hmm, I think at this time of morning, we should be the only ones here. And I said, hey, will you run upstairs and just check and make sure nobody has come into work yet? And she's like, oh, what do I have to do it? And I was like, because I'm boss when I asked you to. Oh my god. If you asked me to do that, I'd be like, no. <laughs> I'd be like, Sounds like literally it. no. <laughs> she was like, ugh. And so she goes upstairs and... I would not have said yes. <laughs> literally never. I mean, this was like 10 in the morning on like a Wednesday. So it's like a pretty like so benign funny. time of day, right? That's so so she looks around upstairs, comes back down, and she says, I don't see anything. And my client, and, and this is worth noting, I had been doing this client's hair for years. So I have no, I know this woman, I would say, pretty darn well. And kind of just calmly and matter-of-factly, the client was like, oh, that's, you know, it isn't anything to worry about. And I was like, hmm. And then my assistant was like, why do you say it like that? Are you a psychic or something? And I like looked at her and I was like, God, like, calm down. But my client was like, well, actually, yes. And I was like, whoa, like, wait a minute. I didn't know that about you. And she was like, yeah, I don't advertise it, but yeah, Uh, since I was young, I just um, can communicate with things. And I was like, oh, and I was like, well, okay, but then wait, what are you saying? Are you saying what I think you're saying? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, there's a ghost in here. And she was like, yeah. And we were like, oh oh my God. We jokingly are like, oh, it's just the ghost, you know, kind of like what you were saying with your story, Kelly. But I was like, wait a minute. And and so my assistant was like, what type of ghost? Like she was just like, a, she was so like, panicked. Total, total spaz. Yeah. Um, and she's like, tell us more. And so my client closed her eyes and she was like, let me ask. And she just closed her eyes and took a second and she said, okay. She was like, I'm feeling the energy of the young girl. And she enjoys kind of the like beauty in the space and like the creativity that happens here. Aww. And she just really enjoys just kind of like observing everything that, that you're creating here. And I was like, oh my God, that's fucking nuts. But I still was like, eh, I'm not buying it. So I was like, I'm going to trick her. And so I said, can you ask her where she likes to hang out? And she's like, yeah, let me ask. So she closes her eyes again. Uh-uh. She opens her eyes back up and she says, she loves the landing of the stairs because she can look into the front room and the back room and just observe everything that's happening. And I was like, <gasps> of all the places for her to suggest, I can't believe it was that one. So she says there's a lot of children who uh, died at a young age in this neighborhood and they kind of pop in and out of these spaces through here. But I'm getting the impression that she's the one that's in your space the most. And she, again, like they just really enjoy the fun and the energy of it. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And she said she has curly red hair and her favorite color is green and she loves chocolate. And she said, if you want to talk to her, you can. Whoa. And you can leave her an offering. And she's like, I wouldn't worry about anything. Um, but, you know, there are things you can do if, if things get uncomfortable. But just just talk to her. And I was like, okay. The day before, I had had lunch with my parents at a restaurant that has a giant bowl of Andy's mints by the door. Uh-huh. And I always take a handful. I so love in Andy's my mints. purse, I had a bunch of Andy's mints, which are chocolate and green. And so I took one and I set it on the stairs. And I said, hey, nice to meet you. Here you go. Yeah. Please keep it polite and uh, you may stay and sorry you're dead and uh, maybe a week or two later I had a client come in and she was like did you get a new dog and I was like what and she was like well I walked by on Sunday we were closed on Sundays I walked by on Sunday and I saw what I assumed was like a, a some sort of doodle with curly red hair in the window and I was like that was a ghost and she's like, what? And I was oh like, my I, God. I know this sounds crazy, oh, but there for sure was not a doodle in here. <gasps> um, and just the fact that she just casually, she walked by our window and just saw this curly red hair in the window and just, uh, oh so it, my God. it has to have been her. Oh. Um, so it's freaking me out. <laughs> we used to do with our shampoos. We did hand massages pre oh. COVID. And one day Mavery had a client and she 
the client felt Mavery tap her arm to put no. her hand okay, up for the hand massage. Me out. And this so she me put out. out her hand for the hand massage, but then nobody grabbed it to massage. And so the client had like an eye pillow over her eyes. So she lifts the corner of her eye no, pillow to like no, look over. No, no. Mavery's across the room mixing the client's gloss. Absolutely could not have touched her. And I'm the like, client was like, what the fuck? I like can't handle Just this like actually. A, yeah. Uh, this happened in the building we're in right now. Wait. Um, I, yeah. That's why it's freaking me out. <laughs> I know. And it's getting dark and it's I almost know. Halloween. I know. It's Boo. <laughs> Wait, but so, you okay. haven't told me, like, I've never experienced. Well, let me finish the story. Oh. I don't know why. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, lots of little things. But then one day, Mavery was the last one here. And she was in the bathroom putting away towels or something. And she heard a man's voice. No. Deep yeah. and and kind of aggressive and scary in her ear um and she got terrified and she was like okay nope and there were other little things like we'd feel gusts of cold air oh my god where there's no vent and just like all of these little things that like individually you're like this isn't a big deal but like it there's something happening so Mavery was like can I smudge this place (laughs) can I do a little expelling ceremony and I was like yeah but I don't want to be here for it yeah so she did this whole little ritual thing and we haven't had a single issue since that legit freaked me out (laughs) I wasn't I I wasn't prepared to tell that story but this is the perfect time to do it Um, I feel like I just went through a haunted house or something yeah same (laughs) I love that when it was like Erica, do you have a ghost story? You're like, nah. I know. I know. Are you kidding me? I think I was like in work brain. My hands are like, sweating. You know. God. Oh my That's so funny. God. Um, I mean the one right here. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like it wasn't a bad ghost though. Except that. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe the last one. The man is not welcome here. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. That would. I'm glad that happened to her and not me. Oh my god. But she's extremely sensitive to that stuff. So growing up, I wish yeah. she was here now. She has a crazy story of like a home she lived in uh, when she. You was don't a have to girl. tell me. I'm good. Well, <laughs> I don't remember enough details to repeat it. But like, she's very sensitive to that type of stuff. So like, when yeah. she her, like I believe her because it's yeah. just something that she's experienced yeah. her whole life. Wow. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm- so okay, you had the crazy storm and the tree. You have had, that's the only work-related kind of situation? That's the only one I can think of that was work-related. Okay. Is there a not work-related one that you'd like to share? There are a bunch of not work-related ones. And the one that I could pick a nice one. probably <laughs> share. I'm like too scared now. No, pick, pick whichever one your heart says. So I went to um, college at University of Georgia, and I lived in Athens, and I was in a sorority. What? I know. Wow. That's like when I tell people I was a cheerleader. It's like, well, that does not track. Oh my God. I was a cheerleader. Really? Yeah. That you actually guys. tracks. No, it does not. No, it does not track. Oh my it God. Tracks. It was one year. Okay. So what? Uh, same. So all of us are a little basic. I <laughs> think, only a little. I think a little. everyone knew We're that cool already now. though. <laughs> so I lived in the sorority house for <laughs> kind of two years. And <laughs> kind of. Kind of. I, I stayed at various places and there is a ghost at this sorority house <gasps> and she's well known her name is Susie um, and there's a story that there was a the house was built as a wedding gift for a young couple and then tragedy the struck <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a huge gorgeous house too wow um, and like allegedly, like she died in the house, How? heartbroken. <gasps> How? I don't know that her heart was broken, but oh, okay. her heart was broken. Okay. Well, you said tragedy, so I wasn't sure if it was like there were details on the tragedy or mm. just. There's actually like a Facebook post about this today, so I could oh, share that. There's like. What are the odds? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Top of mind. <laughs> but yeah. So, and it's known as the wedding cake house because it sort of looks like a wedding cake, but also there's this Whoa. like sad ghost backstory. But oh. the experiences that I had with her were all positive. So I don't even know if it was the same ghost because it was not scary. Yeah. But there is definitely a presence there. Wow. And you can feel her in different rooms. There's like the old part of the house and the new part of the house and there is an attic and you can very much feel her there. I bet. So it's always in the attic. Or like yeah. I heard her play the piano one time. There was <gasps> this old piano and the but it was I mean like like your experiences, not a scary thing. Like just yeah. like very clearly a it. presence. Just like another yeah. person. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So never anything scary. Uh some scary. Oh my God. Come on. <laughs> 
So I have some relatives who live in this very old house in Atlanta. It was oh one of boy. the oldest houses in Atlanta. It still, still is. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful house. And it has seen a lot over the years. During the Civil War, it was occupied by Union troops. Mm. And they're, like the banister up the stairs has all of these marks where they used to drop their rifle on the banister in the morning <gasps> to wake people up. Oh, my I God. I mean, it's like this house has seen things. Wow. I don't know how much I can say about it because it is my relatives who live there. Whatever um, you feel comfortable sharing. So, But there, there were likely people who died there and there are likely bodies there that I don't have specifics on. But when I was in the house one time, there was this one room that like we were looking around, it's like beautifully appointed. The house is insanely amazing. And this one room just felt like terrible, <gasps> like terrible to me. It, very pretty room. <sighs> no, strong no on that room for me. And so I like got out as fast as I could. And my brother, who is also kind of sensitive to this stuff, was mm-hmm. also like touring the house with me. And he, I, I saw him also like bolt out of the room. <gasps> and I was like, ghost. He was like, ghost. Ooh. I was like, Civil War ghost. He was like, I don't know, but it's bad. <laughs> I was like, I know. <laughs> wow. Ugh. So you just felt an overwhelming like. It was not a good ghost. Yeah. I don't know if that's a usual ghost there, but that was not a good ghost. I was going to say to your relatives, Ooh. have they ever been like, yeah, we just don't go in that room or... I don't know. I should ask. Uh, yeah. I was, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Because they got to know. They got to be like, like, is it just in that one room? Hopefully. Oh, that's just Martha. Yeah. <laughs> no, this was a very male energy. Oh. Okay. Damn. It was not good. Oh, wow. it's so interesting. <sighs> <laughs> Anyway, I really love springtime. And <laughs> I love flowers. Yeah. I love flowers. I'm happy and content. Boring. <laughs> and I had a friend who lived in a house who had a similar situation to yours, where it was, she was living in the basement of an older house. Mm. And it was a, turned out there was like a speakeasy there. Which oh my we God, cool. found out because at night you could hear a party going on through the basement wall, but wow. there was nothing on the other side of the unfinished basement wall. Okay, that's wow. crazy. But it was like very, you know how when you're in the next room at a party and it feels kind of like good, good vibes, good yeah. energy. Yeah. Wow. It was like that. <gasps> you're like, tink, tink, tink. Wow, they're just like endlessly partying. That's actually so crazy. I think that it's, you know, I'm not a physicist, but (laughs) (laughs) this Justin, there's like this energy imprint that just sometimes doesn't go away when the physical matter that created that energy leaves. And I think that's like what these experiences are. That's how I interpret it. Yeah. I mean, energy cannot be created or destroyed. And Mm -hmm. I do think that's a reason for something, any sort of spiritual, anything at least like it might exist it's like energy, only because of that. <laughs> only because of that. Like, that's like a crazy truth. You know, I, that one freaks me out, too. Oh. oh, my God. I feel like I just like went through something. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love I didn't know you were such a puss. I am. <laughs> you know, there's a ghost at the Plaza Theater. Is there? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have oh. not sensed that. I have a friend who works there. Uh-huh. Um, oh, and. This is great. Most of the time, it's like a good ghost. Okay. But there is one scary story. And it's not, I feel comfortable talking about it because it's like, it's not that scary of a ghost. Okay. It's a ghost that basically just doesn't want to be fucked with. Okay. Because the Plaza Theater has been a around. Ghost and a human. Yeah. yeah. Fair. <laughs> the Plaza Theater has been around for like so, 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 so long. And yeah. basically, there was this one guy who works there who stayed there overnight one time. And he tried to stay there overnight. Like recently? Yeah. This is like. Mm, like last year maybe probably or okay or like six months ago I don't know I don't know okay um but he still works there now um okay. but he was staying there overnight and he slept in the office and he woke up to someone banging on the door saying get the fuck out get the fuck out get the fuck out oh my god and so he left immediately which like wait but so he opened the door and nobody was there yeah it was like also plausible that was a person right yeah no 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 <laughs> he left immediately he knew exactly what it was Ugh. And I, chills. I know it's really scary i i've heard this story like a couple times so i feel a little more like adjusted to it but Oh my God. They're like, they feel chills and stuff. And like, sometimes they hear like scratching on the back of seats. (gasps) But for the most part, he doesn't like mess with customers. It's like not that kind of thing Uh because mostly he just wants to be left alone at night. 
It's like, I don't want people here. Like, leave me alone. Do I'm, they have any idea who the ghost is? Like, some, has, no, has somebody died there? No. Or like, they think it might be someone who, like, worked there. Or there's, like, a big homeless population around there. And yeah. I, they used to, like, let people sleep there sometimes. So, oh. like, something could have happened there is like something that people have theorized about. Oh my god! I don't know. It could it could be really anything, but I don't think he's a mean ghost. I've been in there and I've been like, okay, the presences here mm-hmm. are not negative. It's not good either. It's just like neutral. Yeah, it's like basically like he just doesn't want to be fucked with. Okay, which is very hashtag the, relatable. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all you can ask for, really. Like I get it. Yeah, and like people know about him, so that might be another reason why he's like, don't fuck with me. Like I live here. <laughs> It's, it's so interesting. interesting in an old establishment like that. You're like, am I feeling things or is this place just old? And it's just like the energy of history and not new construction, you right, know? Right. But I go to the plaza. I mean, Jenny Lynn, I know you and your husband do too a lot. Like we are regular plaza attendees. Yeah, and I am too. I've never seen anything. Like yeah. that's, that's the thing. He doesn't like mess with customers. Yeah, he knows yeah. Who butters his bread. And so <laughs> and so I didn't know my friend was working there. And I found out like literally the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, is the ghost real? And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. And I was like, whoa. Because I've like heard about it for so long now. Oh, my God. Your friend should come on this podcast and talk to <laughs> Next week. Next week. <laughs> yeah. For Bonus Halloween. episode. For Halloween. Bring so wine. Bring yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea this conversation was going to pivot to the structure. This oh, it is, had to. It I, had to. It's so yeah. fun. Uh, I have a question okay. for you regarding landscape architecture. Bring it. Um, okay. So I met this landscape architecture architect. <laughs> was it me? No. <laughs> You're my second who I've met, which is very fun. He works at a private You're firm. My first. <laughs> <laughs> he works at a private firm and I produced a commercial that like he was helping with for an art piece in Atlanta and they were like designing the park where this art piece will be. So, that's his whole job, designing this thing in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where those waterfalls are. I don't know if you know. I yeah, Woodruff Park. Yes, we we were like, I'm gonna say first runners up on that design competition. (laughs) Are you serious? I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I'm excited that they're actually building it. It was it was a design competition. That's the exact thing (laughs) I'm talking about. No, I know. (laughs) No, that's so crazy. Atlanta legacy makers. Yes, and I did the video for them. That's amazing. The video was great. Thank you. It actually, no, it turned so out funny. beautiful. I was so proud of that video. That's the video I show people. It's like, here, I produce. Look wow. at it. Like the one when they announced the competition? Um, I, I'll show you it. When yeah, we finish that's this. amazing. It's yeah. really good. Thank you. Um, wow. But anyways. Small world. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. But I was working with this guy because he was part of the video, obviously. And we were just walking down the street in Atlanta. And he's picking weeds out of these random grass area in it like in the middle of downtown Atlanta and I was like what are you doing <laughs> and he's like oh I'm, I'm just you know I'm just weeding <laughs> he's like in full business attire it was just so funny to me and I was like wow you are so genuinely passionate about this that if you're going around town on your lunchtime walk weeding mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you feel similarly do you ever do stuff like that I pick up a lot of random trash <laughs> see I yeah too. See? yeah I'm but I don't know that that's the same thing <laughs> I do think it is I think I think it falls into it Just it's like, like caring about your city yeah, and your environment yeah, yeah like you care about the literal look of these places which literal is literal litter yeah literal litter mm. yeah the literal litter <laughs> yeah no I find that so amazing because I Truthfully, I'm not, I don't do that. I don't really? look at trash and I'm not, I'm like, oh, I need to pick it up. I mean, I wish, it's, I wish I did think like that. Big Mac wrapper, throw it out the window. Yeah, no, I don't do that. <laughs> I, I don't litter personally. But if I see litter, I'm like, ew, I don't want to touch that. Somebody should pick that up. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm worried about, I'm kind of a germaphobe. So like, I'm a little worried about that kind of stuff sometimes. So I regularly, there's unhoused people that will kind of camp out in the little stoops in front of these businesses and they'll leave trash. Mm. And sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's waste. Gross. Yeah. (laughs) There's a a spectrum of things. But I will regularly put on gloves, grab my, like a trash bag and my broom and like clean the steps and like up and down the streets. And I think, yeah, because I'm like, who's... uh, no one else is doing this. Yeah, and like no my customer is about to walk by this. I have a quick and crazy littering story. I was driving down the street and I was behind a car and I saw them 
litter. Oh my god! Like a like solid amount of like maybe not like a full McDonald's bag. I've not seen that happen before. Yeah, and I was I was shocked. I was like, what the fuck? And I got to the point where they were going straight, and I was going to take a left. So I it was a two lane road. So I was up at a stop sign right next to them, (gasps) and I was like, I'm gonna fucking say something. This is insane. And so like her window was down. So I think it was two women in the car, and there's a baby in the back seat, and their window was down. I want to say she was smoking. Don't quote me on that. But I rolled down my window and I said, excuse me, you dropped something. And she looked me dead in the eyes and she goes, well, pick it up then and drove off. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, and I wouldn't do that now because I'd be afraid of getting shot. But like, I know I was going to say I I literally would never do that. I also said I would not do that. Yeah, Yeah. I will never do it again. I was stunned by the reaction that was like, pick it up then. I'm just like, you know, you just littered and you're getting called out on it. And that's the response. Like, pick it up then. Pick it up then. That's so bold. So bold. The whole process was bold. And I was just like, what the fuck? That is crazy. I know. So if you're listening, don't fucking litter animals yeah I don't think anybody who listens to this podcast would be a literal no I mean I feel like that our is, listeners that's like a that. very rare thing like most yeah. people I would assume most people <laughs> no, like not care about the planet can I take it back to landscape architecture yes please, please do so a cool thing about landscape architecture <laughs> is that in looking at the land as like this larger thing you can look at ways that it benefits society on different levels so like yes it might be beautiful but also maybe you can absorb storm water so it doesn't flood downstream and then you don't have to build bigger pipes and spend a lot of taxpayer money on that because the existing ones work or maybe you create pollinator environments in which mm. we can you know help honeybees live or mm. there are just so many different ways in which the land can do more and i think that we should demand especially when there's public money involved we should demand that the land do more we should not have just a single use park yeah so I love that. That's, that's mm. my hot take. I don't think that's even hot. I think that like makes so much sense. And uh, I think everything public money is used for should be done efficiently and mindfully. Yeah. Also, I feel like <laughs> people don't think about those things. Like I sure as hell have never thought about that. Absolutely. Um, and like, I think that's why people like you are needed, you know, like especially on a podcast to be saying things like that. It's like, no, it's these things are important. And the only way that it would change is if, people demand it Mm -hmm. but no one knows about it so how do we like demand it if we don't know about it Mm -hmm. 100 percent, yes yeah but I'm wondering is there any community effort to like get people to understand these types of things or like is there any or do you know of any organizations that like do something like that or maybe that's your your new business that I just (laughs) thought of for you (laughs) no it's a great question so in landscape architecture in general there's been a a growing conversation over the past, I don't know, 10 or 15, probably longer years about community engagement because often there's an expectation that if you're spending public money, the community should have some say. Mm -hmm. And the way that people have gotten around that is they have this very like, I'm going to decide what this land should be. I think it should be a park with a playground. Yeah. And then they bring it to the community and they give them a little book of stickers and you can choose like which swing set you want on the playground. Mm. And I believe this is not community input. This yeah. is something different. Like yeah. placating us. Like, yeah. Like, like okay, here. You've had, your, you've, you've had your choice. Yeah. Yeah. But like we really need community to be able to be engaged at every step of the design process from like envisioning what could happen in their neighborhoods to how it actually looks and functions and who maintains it. But it's hard to do that because that costs more money. Right. Like to, to have like an iterative design process, you have yeah. to have someone who's like paying for the iterative design process. Mm-hmm. And it's so valuable when it happens though. Like it's, it's wow. amazing. You can actually build a lot of um, consensus and community with people who don't necessarily realize they have a lot in common when you start having these conversations about what land can be. Are there examples of other cities or countries that do a good job of that? I am doing a lot of work in New York right now. And it is not to say that in New York they have this figured out, but there are some public park processes that I've seen work really well. Mm-hmm. So there's this park in, in Brooklyn that's opened recently called Marsha P. Johnson Park. Mm-hmm. And it's named after Marsha P. Johnson, who is a civil rights leader, a black trans activist. Oh, early exactly in the 80s. who that is. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I can picture mm-hmm. her. And like her phrase was, pay it no mind. And so... There is That's an, so beautiful. They're making a park for her. And it's just open and it's really spectacular. Oh my God, I love that. I That's love awesome. that. So this idea for this park was 
um, a, a earlier administration launched that like a state park in Brooklyn should be dedicated to Marsha P. Johnson, which is a beautiful idea, although technically where Marsha P. Johnson regularly was, was not this part of town. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a disconnect. Mm, definitely. And so there was a local community who was not necessarily appreciative of this like re-envisioning of their existing park, which was the only place they could go during COVID to get outside. Mm-hmm. They're like one of a very few places. Mm-hmm. And the initial idea was like, there are these huge asphalt and concrete pads on the property because it, you know, it was a former industrial dockyard. Okay. I don't know exactly what it was, but there are a number of community events that happen there now. They, they do big community events, but mostly it was just like people liked it because it was a place they could go and you, they were allowed to be there in public outside. Mm-hmm. And the, they were going to close the park to do this construction and the construction was going to be painting the like a mural onto the asphalt that commemorated Marsha P. Johnson. And the community was like, absolutely not. Mm. This is a really politically charged park. Okay. <laughs> so... Our firm was brought in to lead a community engagement process, like an authentic community engagement process. And we spent, I think it was 40 hours of direct in-person and virtual, but directly public facing time in early 2021. Mm -hmm. And it was a combination of initially just listening, giving people the opportunity to talk. And mm-hmm. so it was all of these different communities who lived in the area in Brooklyn, but also bringing in Marsha P. Johnson's family, activists in the, the gay community and the trans community, and attempting to have a conversation that involved everyone. Mm-hmm. And the first stage was listening and confirming that we heard correctly. Mm-hmm. And that was really involved and honestly, like really moving for me because yeah. I, there were a lot of voices I wouldn't have normally gotten to hear. Yeah. And then we would bring it back to them. This is um, more of the, the people who were in person, but they would say, all right, we heard you say this and this and this. Does this express that? And actually would put different designs in front of them and say, is this what, is this what you want? Is this better? Yeah. Like, we want a safe place for That's very cool. like homeless youth to be able to go. Does this create it? Oh, we need to create what used to be called a comfort station, but like a, a restroom, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, we'll, we'll include that. That wasn't in the initial idea. And mm-hmm. sort of build up this whole design And now there are all of these different communities who feel a real authentic connection to the place who wouldn't have otherwise had that opportunity because there was like a real public engagement that happened that so often doesn't get the chance to happen. That's amazing. That's a prop to New York State Parks for that one. I love that. That's really, really cool. So in addition to it being a beautiful functional park, it is a great place to be people can get to the to the water from there yeah maybe not legally but you can so (laughs) i guess another part of landscape architecture is putting up have you ever seen those benches or places where houseless people could sleep Mm -hmm. and they put spikes spikes in it or something like that so that they can't sleep there anymore is Mm -hmm. that like another side of landscape architecture yes there's a lot of conversation about that i would assume there is yeah i would assume because there's you know it's I always find it sad. I'm always like, no. Of course. Like, are you kidding <laughs> Going me? out of your way to make sure this human can't lay down. Yeah. For... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hostile it's design. And it's... It is hostile. Mm. Yeah. And it's hard, too, because there are professionals who are put in this position where they're being hired to do something that they don't necessarily agree with, but they don't feel like they have the agency to push back. Mm. So I'm fortunate to not currently be working with any of those kinds of clients. Yeah. Right. But I have in the past, and it sucks. Yeah. Wow. That's very tough. Yeah, I never even thought of that. I never Mm -hmm. even thought that that's something under the umbrella of landscape architecture. Mm -hmm. So it it is something that That we talk about. We try to sway someone if if they want to have this really aggressive place. But, I mean, so much of how a place is designed impacts who feels safe and comfortable using it. Right. And sometimes it's really directly and physical. Like, we're going to have a bench with an arm in the very middle so that it's uncomfortable to lie down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's less obvious, like... This, no benches. <laughs> this place is, you know, very wide open and it doesn't just doesn't feel safe to walk through because it's super exposed and there are no, mm-hmm. you know, nooks. Yeah. So it's not, sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's obvious. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And also so much of the influence has to be the person paying for it, obviously. Yeah. That's, um, that's the real issue with landscape architecture yeah. is we have ideas, but we aren't generally the ones financing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that that goes into what we talked about earlier, where some is private firms, some is governmental. And when it is governmental, it's... It's like, okay, we, we try to get community 
voices, but like obviously some communities do much better than other communities. And there are a lot of people in the um, Atlanta like public world who are trying very hard to do a great job with this. Yeah, like, they don't always have the resources to do it, but there are people who are doing excellent work. Whether it's like Park Pride, uh, Department of Watershed Management, City of Atlanta Parks, there there are people doing really good work. But it's hard to like. I think if the public makes known that it's important to us, they will have much more support in doing that. Yeah. I love that. And I think talking on a podcast about stuff like that is really important. Absolutely. And valuable, valuable to our listeners. And, and to me. Yes. <laughs> Most importantly. Yeah. Most importantly to me. <laughs> Kelly will learning a lot definitely <laughs> do everything about this role. No. But like, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. But it's a hard question too. Like, what do you like? What do you do as a normal person? Yeah, like mm-hmm. how, how do you plug? How in? would someone like you post Erica about it on I... Instagram and then you don't do anything else? <laughs> oh my god! I think it'd be cool if there if there was like forms of organizations that were dedicated to specifically this, and like maybe someone listening wants to start one. Maybe something like that could happen, and yeah, you know, and then. Erica and I could talk about it on our podcast and get other people involved in it, and then we can have a whole little thing happen. I'm here to support the vision. Yeah, let's do it. Some One of our listeners, take it on. You can do it. So in Atlanta, the city is divided into neighborhood planning units, and you'll like see that NPUN is meeting. And you think, man, I don't have time for that. Uh, yeah. But if you make time for that, that mm-hmm. is one of the very few ways that a an individual's voice has real sway over development decisions in the city. Okay. So so where do we find those meetings? Like, how can we... Very good question. <laughs> <laughs> Neighborhood planning units, you can look them up online to see which unit you fall in. And it's a way for citizens to have direct representation in the city government. It's actually pretty uncommon and revolutionary. We've not done a great job of supporting them over the past many years <laughs> but it's the mechanism is still there that's not just like hey vote yeah which is also important but right like is you know less direct yeah this is yeah. a way that you can show up and have your voice heard and then it, it gets reflected into city council and development decisions and I think people too forget that we can do things it is not just like like you guys pick up trash even though it's probably not helping the state of the world, obviously. Helping my like, sidewalk. Yeah. But the, there are things that we can do as a community to improve the community, mm-hmm. but we have to do things that are out of our comfort zone, like go to these meetings and yeah. look them up, which is, that's out of our comfort zone. Most of the time, I feel like I'm speaking for a lot of people, but I'm going to speak for myself in this. I feel like I can't do anything about it. And mm-hmm. I, why would I? Because the state of the world sucks. Mm-hmm. It's just, everything's bad and I can't do anything about it. So why try? Mm-hmm. But then people like you tell me things like that. And I'm like, oh, wait, there are things. Yeah. I just choose to literally ignore them all the time. It's all the more reason to focus on your micro influence. And if you think all across the country, if a lot of people yeah. take an interest <clears throat> in the things that impact them on a very local basis, what that could do for the world in 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, local government matters. At least participating in local government matters. Here, here. Here, here. And we'll maybe put a link to how to find your neighborhood planning unit. Yes. I was going to say that sort of in the show, show notes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for people who are in Atlanta, but wherever you are, like there's some sort of... There's your version of this. Yeah, there are ways to get involved. Yeah, yeah I love that. Also, in Atlanta, there's the Atlanta Beltline. That mm-hmm. yes, sometimes there are events that happen, and a lot of those events are put on by this group called the Crew of Grateful Gluttons, mm-hmm. and <laughs> they're a fantastic organization where they just like bring like whimsy and play to people's lives, and so sometimes it'll just happen upon the spontaneous moment, and it's often them. I love that they organized a butterfly parade a parade of the monarchs on the Beltline a couple weeks ago to support no it so, was so cool, cool. <laughs> it was so cool to support little Amal who's this like oh, yes. 12 foot tall puppet traveling the world to raise awareness of refugee children specifically mm-hmm. and so every place that little Amal goes that like people greet her in different ways and in this case oh, they put on this hundred person monarch butterfly like event. That's cool. Whoa. And my husband Chris and I signed up for this because I just think that it's a really cool organization. Yeah. And we went to the rehearsal and they were saying if you look around 
and you see your city and you're like, man, there's nothing going on in this city. This sucks. What are you personally doing physically to mm. make things better? And I was like, oh, oh, me? Got him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I love right. that's so true though. Yeah. Because if everybody has their own little something that they do, the world would be better. Okay, well, I'm gonna go to one meeting at least. I'm gonna that start. Would be awesome. You got you gotta start small. Yeah. You know, you I'll can't go with you. Okay, good. We'll go together. <laughs> We're gonna be really opinionated. Yeah. <laughs> one meeting would be huge. Like, yeah. so few people participate that you actually yeah. do have a voice in them. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like if we can all just go to one meeting or like do one thing. Yeah, it'll at least help a little bit. Yeah, and if you see something that you like, reach out to your local reps about that too. If you're like, man, they just did a really fantastic job with this, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't, don't just reach out when it's problems. Right. Say the good out loud. Right. Say the good out loud. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, it's been a while since I did that, so I had to, <laughs> had to bring it home, you know? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, uh, anything else on your notes? I have a ghost tie-in. Oh, okay. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. What? There's a ghost at the meetings. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's ghosts and hobbies because I was thinking of the, the movie Ghost mm-hmm. in which there is a pottery scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a pottery scene? The <laughs> pottery scene. I've never the- seen it. <laughs> I don't remember if it's a good movie, so I don't know if you should it's see like it. It's, like, oh, not okay. a good movie, but it's, like, a classic movie. Okay. Like, what she's referencing is, like, very classic. Okay, her. <laughs> I could probably pull up, like, a 30-second clip of it. Her. I will. Yeah. Maybe. The gist. <laughs> you would. But, yeah, I started doing pottery with my <gasps> husband a yes. couple of years ago, and it's really fun, and it's it turns out it's great to, like, make things with your hands. Yes. So I've been wanting to creation. do pottery for so long. I'm oh, definitely going to right talk to you about you this. You should do it. Yeah. Wow. I want, I'm going to eventually. But first, go to your meeting. Yeah. <laughs> meeting. You can do both. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Oh, my God. I love pottery. Yes. Jenny Lynn and her husband are extremely talented, and in between being good Samaritans, to create this beautiful art on the side, yeah. and it's just unreal yeah <laughs> he's super good he's extremely good it's like at first I was competitive about it and sort of like wished I was that good yeah <laughs> now I'm just really excited that he's really good I love it you're like I'll let him have that yeah <laughs> no I, I mean I, I have my my parts that I love doing but he's like authentically a really good ceramicist and wow. it's just beautiful to see Aww. so I love that yeah <laughs> that's hot that's hot that's hot <laughs> we love that Erica is there anything else you want to talk about today <sighs> I, we've covered a lot. I have, um, no, I just, I, she's great uh, at it. <laughs> it's nice having you back, Kelly. And it's nice having you uh, with us, Jenny Lynn, because, you know, is it the Bechdel test or the Bechdel test? Do you know what I'm Bechdel. talking about? Bechdel test. I was <laughs> Ask thinking, the film person. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day and this is something that's important to me, but this episode is such a good example of a form of media that a hundred percent passes the Bechdel test. Bechdel. Bechdel test. And if you don't know what that is, it is a scene in, uh, or like an event in any sort of form of media that involves women talking, not about men. Yeah. It was specifically made for film. Okay. Um, It's like a feminist film theorist came up with it. Uh Uh-huh. And if you look up the Bechdel test online, you can see lists of movies that pass or do not pass the Bechdel test. And you would be so surprised on how many of your favorite films do not pass the Bechdel test. And it can be, I think I looked it up the other day, actually, and I might be quoting this wrong, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's two women who have names. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Like they're, yeah, like they have a name yeah, talking to each other about Mm -hmm. something that doesn't involve a man and it can be the shortest conversation. Yep. And so few things pass. So few things pass. Like it is a really bad one is one of my favorite things, which is the Hobbit. Like I was going to say Lord of the Rings. Yeah. (laughs) There like is not a conversation. Like it does. It's a zero out of 10. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It is just 
honestly, I would encourage everybody to go look it up yeah, because it is. And then you'll be like, wow, Clover Club, you guys are so good. Yeah, <laughs> let's, add, let's add a link to that too. We should. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, I just, it's always lovely to be in a room with intelligent women having conversations about interesting things that, you know, I'm just excited to share with people. So Jenny Lynn, I so appreciate your time and your knowledge and your expertise. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, Kelly, you brought a lot of great things. She's just the best. I just yeah, adore you. Yeah. You are. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, guys. Uh, I said it first. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, ladies. So we have a lot that we'll link in our show notes. And again, if you don't follow us on social media, please give us a little follow at Clover Club Pod. And as always, our listeners get 10% off on all online purchases at HawkinsonClover.com with code Clover Club. Wait, all of them? Boo. All of them. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Clover Club, all caps. That's your code. Put it in. Bitches. Uh, <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>